Hello and welcome to this University of Brighton podcast special. I'm Edwin Gilson and I've been speaking with acclaimed Ghanaian artist Serge Atukwe Clotti. We sat down to discuss his afro ghanalism work, which involves making art out of disposable items in his native Ghana, especially plastic jerry cans. I began by asking him about his performance at the university's Salis Benny Theatre last week. And please note the questions are a little off mic, so headphones are advisable. I think the performance was good and it's quite interesting how I'm able to combine video and a performance, which is actually my second time doing that, especially with the... Um, the performance which deals with you know migration and especially having images of my collective mm. I think it's very pretty much interesting for me and it's yeah. a new experience yeah. well I was going to ask how how you translate the ideas behind Afroganism to a UK audience you might be unaware of the social context behind it you know namely Ghana's water shortage and pollution I mean how do you get that across obviously the video helps but uh, I think that it deals with um, materialism and I believe that people are well informed about what is happening in Africa, about water scarcity and all that, and the representation of that plastic jerry cans because it's identify water shortage, you know. And I think that I've had a couple of shows in the UK, and I believe that there are a lot of people who have seen the work and have an idea. And I think, um, especially with this trip, it's very more effective because. Uh, it's, it's a presentation and which actually having the physical object in this space as well where people are able to help you know work on the process and I think that is um, for me I'm I'm interested in like the cultural aspect of it and how people perceive that in the, within their space because it's 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 a very symbolic object back in Ghana that we need to survive every single time yeah. whereby in the UK it is a representation of an art material or like a cultural thing of, of where I'm coming from. You know? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, talking about obviously your Yellow Big Road project has been in the news over the last few days. Right. Um, could you talk a little bit about the philosophy behind that and how the local community in Accra have been involved in it as well? Well, I think it's just very basic historical narrative um, as, as I'm interested in migration and migration from one continent to another, as well as my background migration from one town to another within the same city, you know. So I'm interested in like making references because my family was trading beef and alcohol, you know. So the reference of containing alcohol is the plastic jerry cans, you know. So I'm look, I'm deep down looking into migration from a very um, side perspective and like my family history of migration and to migration to global migration you know so um, my community I kind of define my identity through the materials and through my ideas that is rooted from Labadi because that is where my family settled and I find myself and my passion working around that space very interesting and the community started as as a um, as, a, as an interest for them because they are curious, you know, what are these for? And now they have become a collaborators because over the time they've been, you know, helping with the process. And, you know, I, I think that the work has actually found its sustainability within the community and which I think very intriguing, yeah. Well, how did you start to come to work with these jerry cans? Am I right in saying that you just have noticed a lot of them? Well, um, I mean, growing up with, with these 
plastic gal it represents the problem for me because it's used for water storage and as a kid i have to carry it like a kilometer away to the fountain and all that so for me it has always been a problem for me you know by growing up and you know moving into different spaces i realized that it's available materials that I can work with over time as an artist and I begin to use them as a, as a canvas piece, you know, put them together mm -hmm. like a puzzle and work, like make portrait of them. And, and I begin to realize that it's, I have to research the background of that because we are consuming so much. And I realized that storage was becoming a problem, you know, so I begin to look at its migration background, which is originally used for cooking oil, you know, like transporting cooking oil for the yeah. West. And oil is a food, so obviously we need it. But then we realize that it's creating a lot of environmental, like hygienic situations where we store water in them. And after a period of time, it gets contaminated. And also looking at that kind of like uh, being part of architecture, kind of like deforms our architecture in a way because every individual has about 10 or 20 gallons. And one gallon is like a 20 liters or 25 liters. So imagine that, you know, invade your space. You know, I begin to you know pay attention closely to the object and its functionality, and I realized that even cutting them will reduce the volume, and I can still manipulate the consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Would it be fair to say that a lot of your work is driven by that kind of eco sensibility and that kind of desire to repurpose waste into well, the items that would otherwise have gone to waste? I suppose. Exactly. I mean, the work has gone far beyond environmental. It's now those narrative of migration through you know the context of africa and europe you know so though it started like environmental eco-friendly but now it's more beyond that like defining narrative through materialism and, and i think that that has really brought my attention into different kind of like engagement yeah. globally yeah was that a conscious progression then, to go from environmentalism and spreading out to migration or did it happen Kind of, you know, before you were aware of it, it already happened, I suppose. I think, I mean, obviously, growing up in, 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 in a very, I mean, educated space, we are aware of environmental issues as well as, you know, but making it very effectively through an artistic approach, you know, that has been something that um, I'm looking forward to and I've managed, you know, to change people's perception about that objects you know like yeah it represents it causes a lot of environmental hazards and environmental degradations so what is how do we transport that back to where it comes from you know it's a way of trading back to the west what they left behind and that there will benefit the continent as well as the country yeah and will your work going forward continue to look at migration do you think or well, it might, I mean, I'm looking to migration in different aspects, you know, like cultural migration, environmental migration, as well as um, economical migration. So the work is, I mean, it's evolving over time based on like engagement with different communities as well as different countries and yeah. Yeah. So that is, the hap that is happening and you are spanning, obviously you're partnering with the university, but that's happening in lots of countries, is it now, when you're working with lots of different people? Yeah, I've done qu quite a few projects with, with schools um, in the universities I had in Europe, like I did something with students in Austria, and I think, yeah, that was also deals with materialism and migration. Mm. And so I'm looking forward to like more research-based relationship with with like Brighton for instance you know yeah. like yeah but well, what yeah. do you hope to get out of this partnership with with Brighton then I think I'm interested in like cultural engagement as well as educational engagement with 
with Brighton, and I think that it will enforce my narrative to be more broad in a way that Afro-Galonism could be a, a, um, a core subject to study, you know, like looking at how do we develop this idea. You know, it's basically an idea of transformation of objects into more valuable, you know, commodities. Yeah. So do you pick up um, bits of kind of guidance and information from the places you work with as well? Like, obviously you're going around educating people in Austria and Brighton about that certain context. Do you think you pick up stuff that will inform your work from those places as well? Yeah, I think it's very, very effective for me because um, I did a workshop this afternoon with a student and they are able to, you know, like they created a whole interesting, you know, composition with the same materials that I use back home. And I, th I find it very educative for me and how to think, you know, in a very different way of how I approach materials and form and functionality as well, yeah. And just touching on the environmental angle again, I mean, how do you stay positive or constructive about the future of the world when we're being told that, continually told that there are extremely high amounts of plastics in our oceans, and I know you obviously work with plastic quite a lot, and off the back of the recent UN report as well, that we've got 12 years to limit the full impact of climate change. You know, how do you stay, I guess not positive as such, but how do you use that in a kind of constructive, motivational way rather than be dismayed by that? I think realising the potentials of availability of that plastic and how we can kind of like strategize the use of it, you know, but like building a very functional um, value commodity that will bring people's attention to, to for them to use their own waste mm. to create something, you know, and I think that it has to be like a national symbolic identity of whatever each country can create from their waste, you know, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the Waste House, by the way? Yeah, I've seen it, and it, it's quite... There are a few places like that, but it's not as functional as this place. You know, like, people, like, just look at it, and they don't even engage around the conversation and around people, you know. But here, it's, you know, like, it's so much database around around the space, and which I find it very interesting. So those are the things that I would like to take back home to explore within my space. Yeah. Right, okay. Right. And just touching on, I mean, obviously, you've used your voice to raise awareness and try and bring about kind of societal change. Right. Do you think that's a, a moral responsibility for the artist or would that be going too far, do you think? I think uh, being an artist itself is a responsibility, you know, and you can't, you can't stop taking your responsibility. It has to be like, till you are no more, you know. So I think that it's, it's a very bold step and for artists, to, although it's very challenging because most of the time you execute ideas without any fundings. Mm -hmm. But first, you have to make a statement, and then that's where people will adapt, you know, whatever you come up with, and that's where people will be interested in and supporting or funding your projects. And mm -hmm. I think that it's—I mean, for me, I think art is something that I can't live without. You know, it's—it's it's how I think, it's how I function as a human being, of taking advantage of available materials or available space that. I, I come by, yeah. yeah. And do you think that art can have a wide impact then? Can it change the way people think in society? I think obviously yes, because I, I think how my work on social media especially has influenced a lot of people and I have people writing their thesis on my work and Afro-Galonism in different parts of the world, you know, and I find it that it's, it's like a very critical language that people kind of like learn from and be able to formulate their own ideas and surroundings, yeah. Okay. And I wonder if you have any advice for the people around us, art students at the University of Brighton, in the light of what you said? 
Yeah, I think that the, after my presentation, I, I had few of them approach me to tell me that it's very inspirational. And I think it's very bold step, you know, that to have feedback within the university mm -hmm. system. And uh, I just want to tell them that art is, it's, it's a must, you know, like you have to be, you have to think, you know, it gives you an idea of how the future looks like, you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, though you, you think global, but you need to act local and, you know, I act local in my community and that bring the relevancy in abroad, sure. right? I was really inspired by um, an old uh, piece that you did where you and a bunch of people dressed as women right. to show um, you know like, what, what women back home have to go through and like it, like obviously around here there's such a cultural right. uh, change to right. um, that approach with women right. and I was just like wondering what the inspiration for that was and do you see that cultural change happening globally even from like, where you are? Yeah I, I think that's a very interesting question. I think you know as an artist I'm very I manipulate with my forms and, and and practice as well you know like my former ideas and so this whole thing deals with mother you know like wearing women's clothes and I kind of like in a way flip it into very wider conversation you know because we are dealing with this um, gender imbalance in, in Ghana as well it's people barely discuss and because of our cultural or traditional beliefs you know and in a way wearing women's clothes kind of is part of our culture in one of the festivals where women men would dress like women which is accepted you know it's accepted because it's part of our tradition and and for me in this context it's question tradition and human rights as well you know because our tradition when you, a man dress like women in a way it's like mm, you know but culturally that is who we are we dress like women and this time I uh, in this in our contemporary space as, as an artist it questions who defines what fabric is for women and what fabric is for men yeah. because um, 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 fabric has changed over time from traditional designs into more contemporary you know so there are certain barriers which I think govern that conversation and so in a way it's addressed women but it's also addressed sexuality mm. and now this, this conversation has really has really changed people's perception and now they feel comfortable because we are, have to like make references to our own traditional beliefs and, yeah. and our culture and so when you are able to educate people making references then they understand you know, but taking them from nowhere and dropping them somewhere, it's very confusing. Mm. You know, so I very I played a very critical um I would say a strategy, you know, yeah. to bring that conversation within the space. You know, and now they really understand how traditionally question human rights. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's a way of like especially when you are dealing with a community who are not really informed about certain things. I've traveled with, with all this privilege, I'm able to learn and understand rights because I used to be against that. But traveling around, like it's 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 about human, it's about rights, you know. So how do I demonstrate that into the community by using myself as an example? Yeah. And that is how I'm able to reach that kind of number because we had about 100 people in that performance right. and now it's being discussed around the community eventually the whole country and there are several articles about it that has really brought people attention into question you know mm. so i think it's a very radical approach to that subject yeah, yeah definitely. Right. In, a more, in a more general sense i mean 
Are you surprised by how much your work has caught on internationally? Because you were featured in, I think, a San Francisco weekly as well, kind of last week. There's a lot of, a lot of papers here as well. Exactly. Has that surprised you a little bit about how much people have taken to your work from, from all courts? Yeah, I think it's surprising. That is what I said. If you think global arts local, you know, I'm, I'm interested in my space, and that has brought the relevancy to my work because I, I, you know, I think about what happens in the West, but how do I change within my community? You know, so ideas from different part of the space informs that will help benefit my community. You know, so I think all these are like privileges from my relevancy within my country. You know, because I believe that people are looking what is happening around the globe, and the social media serves as an easy access or platform, you know, to, to know what is happening, you yeah. know. So I take advantage of social media because that's how it makes um, the world very global, mm. yeah. And you get people, kind of fans, are contacting you that way as well? Do you kind of keep in touch with them? Yeah, yeah, I have like every single time. I have interviews, I have questions about my work, I have public, yeah. So I think that it's sometimes you get too over, over, overwhelmed, but I believe that it's a, it's a point in time where I have to push ideas that I have, you know, into very wider context so that like the world can discuss what is happening at that part of the continent from this generation. Yeah. Um, yeah, last question I suppose, what's next? Is it just carrying on the Afroganism work, taking that around to other countries or do you have a certain project in mind that you're working well, on? Well, we have a couple of projects which is performative based with my community and also trying to travel around with this performative contest within different space and exploring travels, time, and trade as well, you know. So I'm working on the Follow the Yellow Brick Road, which is very much of uh, investigating about property rights in different parts, but I'm starting locally from my community, my family property, and how that over time has changed, and you know, like the power position of, of all these um, systems, you know, like, yeah. So Follow the Yellow Brick is to achieve, I'm hoping to achieve this project in 2020. By 2020, I should have a documentation of my family history or my family's space through demarcation of the follow the yellow brick. You know, then that is to travel into different spaces where they are also facing those similarities, you know, yeah. And eventually into the whole of Africa, yeah. Okay, with that translator, are you still using the jerry cans to make the road? Exactly. Are you translate to other communities, you think it will? Exactly, because we are still consuming and there's no stop to that. And mm. once I believe that the end of my project, Afro Gallonies, is when Ghana has water or Africa has water, what are those gallons be used for? You know, we are not going to import them anymore. So it's more like futuristic based projects. Thank you to Serge for his time. You can find out more about Afro-Gallonism on the University of Brighton website at brighton.ac.uk and his social media accounts by searching Afro-Gallonism on Instagram. Be sure to check out our fortnightly Catching Up With series, getting to know staff from across the university. You can subscribe to our podcast via Google Podcasts and Spotify. For now, though, it's goodbye.